you know, people have been saying like, oh, we're going to waste this, this amazing defense. Like I'm really getting to the point now where I'm worried that we're going to waste Todd Munkin. Welcome to My Got a Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Wood. In this episode, John Powell and I reviewed Georgia's 14-3 win over the Kentucky Wildcats. As you can imagine, we talk a lot about what happened with the Georgia offense. But first, we discuss the great defensive performance and briefly discuss the special teams. As always, remember you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now YouTube at My Got a Podcast. Also, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating of five stars with a review. You just might hear your review in a future episode. Now, let's join our conversation in progress. So, I would say, for the Kentucky game, I think the way what Kentucky did pretty much matched up what we thought they would do. It was just the Georgia side that uh, we Georgia did not um, live up to your request of uh, emptying the bench. <laughs> no, and that is a tragic, tragic story that I feel like we're just never going to reach the end until we get to the end of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, some people did get to come off the bench uh, due to the injuries, um, which that was crazy, right? So we got hit with Pickens and McIntosh not being able to – they didn't even travel. We found that out in the morning. Uh, and then on offense, Cleveland goes down uh, early in the second half. And then but with the defense, holy moly. So we already knew about Rice going in, uh, and then DJ Daniel also didn't play. But then uh, Rochester – um, scene goes down. Stevenson gets banged up. Uh, Jordan Davis gets banged up. Quay Walker gets banged up. Um, and then also, then we yeah you know, we hear about LeCount not related to the game, um, but with his his accident when he got home. So you know you, you always want to get through these road games, or really any SEC game, right? I mean, you want to come out with a win. You know that box was checked, um, but relatively healthy, and that box was not checked. Yeah, no, that's not at all what you want to see coming off of the bye week. You you see a rash of injuries on particularly one side of the ball at a couple of key key positions. The the Jordan Davis injury, I feel like, is going to have repercussions on the rushing on, on our run defense, you know, and frankly the defense overall because he's just such a huge space eater and uh, requires so much attention from uh, the opposing team that. Um, that that one that one really hurts. Yeah, yeah, that's probably like of what happened in the game at least that was definitely the biggest the biggest one and the one that gives you the most concern going forward cuz we just don't have anyone else with that like size. I mean, like size, strength, agility, right? That he has um mm-hmm. to step in and especially considering that Rochester also went down. Um and it's not sounding prognosis isn't sounding good for him <laughs> either. Um, like for the rest of the year, I, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens with with Davis. Um, I, I do want to say, like with LeCount, though. I mean, that sounded awful. Like what happened. So I mean, football aside, like I'm happy that he's okay. You know, I mean that that sounded pretty horrendous. Uh, that accident. I didn't realize it was as bad as it was until I found out that he was in the ICU and had just gotten let go. And I was like, Oh shoot. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it was like motorcycle. He hit a car, car hit him, you know, and then the, 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 his motorcycle like went into the oncoming lane of traffic and it 
I think the way I read it was that his motorcycle got hit by a car um, afterwards. So just thankfully, I guess he had separated from the motorcycle at, at that point, I guess. Mm. So, but, you know, concussion, bruised ribs, shoulder injury, no surgery needed. Um, so, you know, just glad he's, I mean, with us, right? I mean, you know, obviously could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah. So we'll, be, we'll, we'll just be thankful for that. Um, okay, a couple of things. Um, so looking at our predictions, uh, we'll get through those quickly. So Georgia over under one and a half QB is playing. I took the under, you took the over. It was the under. We only saw the mailman. Uh, and we will talk, we will dive into that, <laughs> uh, fact much more, I assume. Um, Kentucky 0.5 interceptions thrown. We both took the over and that was the under. Um, although LeCount had one in his breadbasket that he dropped that, that oh. would have hit the over. <laughs> that was tough. Oh. Um, <laughs> Jim, don't remind me. He did have a nice uh, somersault uh, after it, but, you know. <laughs> a couple <laughs> he, of them. Yeah, I know he was frustrated with that because that, that was like a cinch pick six for him. Uh, and the score, obviously we were way off there. Um, the deep, So I had 31 to 10, you had 32 to 17. The defense outperformed what we thought, but the offense way underperformed. Um, Story really of our lives. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know, anything, anything specific you want to – you want to go in? I feel like we could talk about the mailman for like 30 minutes, but I don't know that we so much want to, but. <laughs> well, I mean, there's really no other way around it, to be honest with you, because like, what, what more can you say about the defense? I mean, we went down, we had all these injuries. I mean, obviously the count played the whole game, but lost Rochester, lost Davis, lost scene. And they really didn't miss, skip a beat. I mean, we shut them yeah. out in the second half. Like, I mean, all of the things that we talked about happening happened. Like we basically, they chose, they were a one-dimensional team coming into this game and we made them a one-dimensional team coming, you know, during the game by completely shutting down their rushing attack. They had no opportunities. Um, Fortunately, uh, you know, they won the turnover battle, but, you know, I think this might've been the, the first game this season where they lost the game, but won the turnover battle. All the other games where they right. won the turnover battle, they won. So well, they got they turned those two turnovers into zero points, right? They got no points off of turnovers. So right, you know, right. Kudos to the defense for stepping up, right? When the offense, you know, puts them in a hole. Exactly, and you know that was encouraging to see. And we had obviously Aziz Ojalari is having a season of the ages. If this was a normal season, like he he could probably put some pressure on on the Pollock record of for sacks in, a, in an entire season. So um, yeah. that is really, really encouraging for the defense for next year as well, because he's so young and I'm hoping he sticks around, but um, right. But you know, the defense just really shined. I mean, obviously a pick sticks changes, changes some of the, the scoring, um, the scoring there, but um other than that you know you you really can't c- couldn't complain too too much about you know three points and yeah. multiple sacks shutting down the the run defense i mean they got a couple of little plays here and there but for the most part we we did exactly what we thought we were going to do on defense yeah i mean outside of that one sustained you know i think it was like i mean that so their drive for their field goal it was impressive right i mean that was like a 94 yard drive and well obviously but they didn't make it to the end zone right so they were 94 yards away to start and then drove it and got their field goal um 
it was one of those weird things where kind of like in the heat of the moment and probably main, more so in the first half, there was some frustration um, kind of with what was going on with the defense. But now it just being like the push that Kentucky seemed to be getting, we seem to be kind of playing back a bit. And so, I mean, I would say looking back, I mean, we were doing a bit of a bend but don't break. And when you do that and you only give up three points, then you definitely did not break. So, I mean, I would say, you know, kudos to landing for the game plan there. I mean, it, it certainly worked. Yeah, you and I were texting, you know, it seemed like that our defensive game plan was to kind of, we were tentative a little bit. We wanted to see what, what Gatewood could do through the air. So, you know, you know, I were messaging back and forth about, it seemed like that we would line up and our defensive line would have three, maybe four versus six. And it was like four V six kind of thing. And they just had the hat, they had hat for a hat and were given a push on, on the defensive line for a period there. And it's almost like we, we turned a corner. I want to say it was around, you know, just before halftime or like right around mid game. I feel like that they kind of switched and we started loading the box. We realized that Gatewood wasn't going to be much of a threat throwing downfield. And we just pinned our ears back and just looked to shut them down completely. Yeah. I mean, we looked at before, you know, obviously when we recorded the preview, we didn't know, about Wilson's injury, but just talked about the fact that they don't really pass. You know, that's not their thing. That's not what they do. And that played out. And I feel like it played out even more so with Gatewood. Like, I feel like they're even more reliant on the run. Now, they ended up having more passing attempts than we did in the game, but that just has to do with the fact that late, those last couple of drives, they were trying to throw to, you know, play catch-up mode when they finally tried to do it. Um, It's also a low bar, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very true, very true, very true. It's hard not to throw more pass attempts than Georgia did. Um, so, yeah, so that was interesting. I guess the only other thing I would say, um, like the substitution patterns, I kind of felt were odd, but again, hard to question when you only get three points. So, and I, and the only thing I'll point out is like, I think I mentioned this to you, um, like Adam Anderson tweeted out, like, just want, just want to get a chance. And I know the way I saw it was Mike Herring had retweeted it and said, you know, stay humble, like your time's coming, that kind of stuff. I was wondering, like, where is Adam Anderson during the game? But again, I think, you know, I mean, we're kind of using him as like a pass rush specialist. They weren't throwing a lot. At the end, when they were throwing, he came in and wreaked a, ha- a lot of havoc. So I don't know. I, I would just say, uh, Adam, your time is probably coming in this next game. Um, you know, they, they pass a lot. We'll talk about that when we, when we preview Florida. But um, I don't know. I guess that was the only other thing of the defense. But, yeah, I mean, hard to argue with uh, only giving up three points. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I honestly didn't notice that to you know when I went through and was watching the game, I didn't realize that Adam Anderson wasn't wasn't playing as much. But um yeah, I mean he's definitely gonna get some he's definitely gonna get some reps in this this next week's game. Yeah, absolutely. Um I guess before we go to the offense, I, I just did want to say on special teams, I would say they were a little less special this week. Uh didn't live up to the high bar that they've set for themselves. Um, kick, kickoffs were still great. Um, Camarda was still great. Uh, but just the, the poor field goal attempt at the end of the first half, uh, low snap led to the bad hold, led to the block. And then like we talked about kind of their reaction when that happened, uh, no one was like scrambling to get to the ball, um, to tackle if anyone picked it up. Um, and actually it was Camarda that made the tackle, um, when Kentucky tried to run it back. Um, so again, Camarda, definitely special teams player of the, the game. Um, and then like I, we had kind of like the reverse hidden yardage with Jackson returning punts. 
Um, we talked about before, like the hidden yardage that he gained by, you know, making like those kind of high risk uh, punt fielding in prior games, right? Where like the ball maybe could have rolled an extra 10 yards, but he fielded it um, to prevent that from happening. Felt like he kind of fair caught, either fair caught when he shouldn't have, or maybe even should have let it go. Um, so not the best game for the special teams, I would say. I think a lot of that would probably have to do, you know, with number one, you know, not wanting him to get hurt, knowing that pick, I don't know who knows how long going to be out. So number one, not wanting him to get hurt. And number two, that, that Australian kicker, you know, did, did really well. I mean, he, he, he was no slouch in the kicking game as well. Didn't, wasn't he like a, a Ray guy winner last year or something like that? Um, yes. Yes, he was. But, but you've also got the situation where, um, you know, we know that our, that our rushing attack, I mean, our offense, the game plan basically was that we knew that we could move the ball. Unfortunately, we just didn't move and make the best decisions along the way. But I mean, Zamir White had a, you know, kudos to him. He called it, you know, the rushing attack had a breakout game. Like, I mean, he had a, he had a, a career high that was by far, you know, his best rushing effort in a Georgia uniform. Um, so that's, you know, if he's, if he's hitting stride coming into the cocktail party, like that's something that I feel like is, is going to be very beneficial for us because the passing side, we, I think if you'd have told us that, you know, before the game that we were only going to throw it 13 times (laughs) and he was going to throw two interceptions, have a batted pass, uh, (laughs) and, and only throw and only throw to the wide receivers. What, like. I think he threw the wide receivers like six times or something like that. I think that's right because, um, yes. So I was sorry. Uh, so receiving, I know like, so cook had four catches. So, I mean, of his nine completions, four of them were to cook. So we had, you know, five. So I was, so he definitely had four, I would say completions to receivers. Right. So it was three to Jackson, one to Burton. Uh, because the other reception was Washington, uh, Washington. Nice pass down exactly. the sideline. Um, so yeah, and I know there was like for the incompletions. So let's see, so two of the four were picks. <laughs> um, the other two incompletions, there was that one to Burton on I think the second or third drive that was just uh, he, he threw it too high, um, and then the other incompletion was to um, Kendall Milton. So there was kind of like a little. Mm-hmm. Milton kind of went out into the flat, which again, like on all of those, I felt like Milton probably wasn't the right guy to go to. Actually, when I watched that again, um, Fitzpatrick was pretty open on the other side of the field. <laughs> he kind of went and like no one went with him, um, story, which I feel like is really kind of yeah kind of part for the course for what we've what we've seen. And um, I would definitely say go watch Battle Hymnal. They uh, dove into that a lot and did some good analysis um, reviewing that and, and those situations. Um, so yeah, so career day for for Zamir White that was awesome. Um, also, one thing I did want to point out, and I know we were texting about like uh, not huge fans of Jordan Rogers and what he was doing on the on the uh, color commentary during the game, which was I will say like one of the an additional thing that we were suffering with uh, like pandemic games is I mean those guys weren't even there. Like Cole Kubelik was on the sideline, but Tom Hart and Jordan Rogers they're at home, 
And they were like talking over each other, you know, during the broadcast of it, kind of like we do on the podcast <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> it's like, like, I get it. Like, you know, you're, you're in a different place, but like that, that, um, that has kind of sunk um, in the grand scheme of things. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but so one of the things that he did point out uh, for Rogers um, from like his, you know, pre game talks with the coaches was he was saying that Munkin had said there are certain things that, uh, Kendall Milton like can't do right like he doesn't know all the protections and that the package is smaller when he's in the game but I one of the things that like I felt like kind of countered that um, was that nice completion to Washington so on that pass play first drive of the second half uh, it was actually play action fake to Milton right um, so I guess that so that's good I would say you know, between what Munkin's telling the uh, you know the production crew before the game and then what we're seeing in the game I think is showing a bit of Milton's growth, right? Like they trusted him to be that back in there, um, execute the play action and, you know, pick, pick guys up. So that well, was nice to see. Well, if that's the case, like I didn't, I didn't hear that. I mean, that makes sense because I think pretty much when Milton's in the game, he's pretty much received a handoff. Um, yes. So that's actually good for us to flex when Kendall Milton's in the game, you know, throwing either throwing to him in the flat as a check down or throwing downfield to Darnell Washington, which, you know, can we please dial up more Darnell Washington, please? Um, <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah. so if, if we're showing flashes of, you know, Hey, we're not afraid to throw the ball with, with Kendall Milton in the game that gives the defense more hesitation, you know, when we, when we go to play the Alabamas and the Floridas of the world, um, you know, having having game film where basically when Milton Milton is in, we're running the ball, that gives the defense uh, a key, and they can just crash down. You know, put nine guys in the box and not be afraid that, that we're ever going to throw the pass with Kendall Milton in the game. So that makes me glad that we threw it at least twice with him in. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Agreed. All right. Do you want to? You want to talk? Well, I guess we keep 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 talking offense and kind of get into to, to mailman a bit. So, although, so okay. So one thing, like I, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of lamenting heading in, like, oh no, Kirby said we're going to get to our brand of football. It's going to be man ball. And then during the game and after the game, I've seen a lot of lamentation around. Oh gosh, that that was it. It was man ball. We've got to be able to do more. And like, so my thought, my response to that would be, you know. We did what we needed to win the game. It felt like if we threw zero pass attempts, we may have even scored more points in the way that we were running the ball. Um, like, especially, I know, like, we had texted back and forth. Uh, the first interception, it felt like, why the heck were we throwing there? We had just run the ball down their throat to get there. Um, and then we throw it. And it kind of lived up to the old school uh, when you throw the ball. Three things can happen, and two of them are bad. Uh, one of those bad things happened on that play. Um, so I don't know. Um, and it felt like, and like you know, can that beat Alabama? No, but we weren't playing Alabama. We were playing Kentucky. So you know, I feel like they had a game plan to beat Kentucky, and we did beat Kentucky. And there was plenty of plays there to get well more than just the 14 points that we got. We left a lot out there on that field on Saturday, unfortunately. Yeah, no, uh, man, I, I, people have been talking about, you know, Kirby smart, you know, can't develop a quarterback, you know, fortunately we're, we're instead of recording on Sunday, we're recording on Monday. So we had the benefit of hearing what Kirby had to say. Um, and, you know, he mentioned in the press conference that Todd Munkin has complete autonomy with the offense. Um, you know, obviously they sync up, they're on the same page, et cetera. So, 
if Monken thought that we had a better quarterback option, he would be in the game. And yeah. and the fact that he said that, like, I think that that should give dog fans ease that Kirby is not the one that's holding things back. And I think, you know, Nathan Lawrence has talked about this. Like you think that if, if, if Kirby thinks that someone else is going to give us a better opportunity to win, that person would be playing in the game. We're not holding anything back. We're not holding, you know, our bag of tricks back. Like we're, we're trying to win football games, you know? Yeah. We won a two score game here against Kentucky, but like, um, okay. So, if if Munkin has autonomy and Stetson's in the game, that tells me that that he's Munkin believes that he's the best option that we have. Yeah. Um, the the problem with that is is that maybe he's not playing to the same level that he's practicing. Um, because the thing that's given me fits is the fact that he continues to make decisions that are poor and his mechanics. And when I, when I say mechanics, maybe, maybe I mean fundamentals, his fundamentals are broken or flawed or, or he's thinking about it too much or something because he did none of the things that Kirby said that they worked on. Um, they worked on, they worked on, worked on checkdowns. They worked on uh, ball security when he's moving around. He did none of that. That to yep. me is a bigger problem, like big picture to, to this offense is ceiling potential. And, you know, I will, will leech a, an, an apology because you and I have, have talked about this, that will had made a comment in the recent podcast for waiting since last Saturday that, you know, that he, that he Stetson was never going to win a national. We're never going to win a national cha- championship with Stetson as the quarterback. And the ceiling is basically getting to the SEC championship. And we're not going to beat Alabama. We might not beat Florida, you know, etc. So, and I kind of balked at that, you know, leading up to this because I felt like that we could make corrections, that we could make changes. But and this Kentucky game should have been a perfect opportunity for Stetson to show his progression as a quarterback, for the coaching staff to show that he's progressed and that they've progressed in coaching him to do the things that we've been talking about doing. Um, you know, when you're getting passes batted down, you've got to step up in the pocket. When you're getting passes batted down, you've got to find throwing lanes to open receivers. So, you know, people have been saying like, oh, we're going to waste this this amazing defense. Like, I'm really getting to the point now where I'm worried that we're going to waste Todd Munkin. Like, that guy has coached out of his mind getting guys open in an offense that by and large has the same players from last year with the exception of the quarterback. Um, you know, we, we did nothing. Like, our wide receivers couldn't recreate separation at all last year. And yeah. Munkin comes in and we've got, we've got multiple guys running, running across the field. Like you did your film review. You had Kyrus Jackson. I didn't see that play, you know, when I was watching the re- review, but when I saw that, like, that's a perfect example where, you know, he's making bad decisions and not stepping up in the pocket and actually finding the lanes to throw in and find receivers through his progression. So to me, like if, if Stetson's the guy like at some point he's got to make a decision in his head that he's going to do the things that the coaches are telling him to do, that he's going to do the things that the film dictates that he does. I mean, at this point, yeah. you know, Florida's got enough film on Stetson to just say, Hey guys, you know what? If there's anybody within five yards of the line of scrimmage, don't worry about him because he's never going to throw the ball to them. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he, that's exactly right. I mean, he's he's making it harder than it should be on himself, right? Like he's he's throwing these these deep passes when he's got these guys underneath running wide open, and like part of it, you know, there were some jokes around like, well, maybe he can't see those guys over the line or whatever, but. You know, that play, which, by the way, we have a YouTube channel now. Um, so go uh, <laughs> like our YouTube channel. Uh, it's also my got a podcast. Um, and I put up a video on, on Sunday, you know, analyzing that first interception. And I think um, the first part of it, what I said, I think I've kind of, I'll go back on that. I was trying to say maybe he was looking at Zemir White instead of uh, like as option number one in that first interception. But I don't think that's right. But the bottom line was like, ultimately, he should have thrown to Jackson, who was running wide open over the middle on a, on a short route and like he should have gone away from his throw to Burton because there was nowhere no way to throw that because he's had a defensive end right in his face so I, I, I've got an analogy for you because I because again with this where I where I keep saying that he's making it harder on himself um he needs to stop kind of the gopher broke long passes right because we that's kind of been uh, the one to Washington work there was also a beautiful ball to um Cook which again both of those though like that was the first read and it was there and he took it it's when that first read isn't there and looking for something underneath is what I feel like he's missing. Um, do you remember the show Playmakers? It was on ESPN. ESPN's short-lived uh, professional football drama. Did you ever watch that? No. <laughs> okay. So it only lasted one season because the NFL basically like shut it down because there was too much uh, controversial topics that were hitting a little too close to home for the NFL. But <laughs> there's a scene in the show Playmakers where they have, you know, it's professional football, so you've got your hotshot, you know, young quarterback who thinks he's invincible and can do everything and can throw the ball 70 yards, right? And then you've got the, I can't remember, this is a long time ago, I can't remember if it was the quarterback's coach or the uh, offensive coordinator who is, you know, also he's not much older than the hotshot quarterback, but he played like Division two football. So there's a scene where they're at practice and – the assistant coach is telling the starting quarterback the things that he needs to change. And the quarterback basically says, you know, what do you know? You played division two, you know, I'm an, I'm a professional. I can sling it. You couldn't do anything. And so they make a bet on who can get the ball closest to the end zone on their inside practice facility. So the hotshot quarterback goes third first, he winds up and he throws it and lands just shy of, you know, just shy of the end zone you know, he just threw the ball like 70 yards in the air or whatever, and for an ooze and us. So what does the quarterback's coach, who was a Division II quarterback, do? He throws a five-yard pass into the cargo area of a golf cart that's driving by in the facility, and the golf cart carries the ball into the end zone. So ultimately, the ball traveled farther, right? And so that's like this, uh, you know, kind of like in Tin Cup, right, with Kevin Costner hitting the ball, uh, and then um, – like, you know, the other guy who was Don Johnson, right? He hits it down the card path, right? And the ball goes further. It's that kind of mentality, right? And I feel like um, the mailman thinks he's the guy with the huge arm and he thinks he's the big arm talent and that he's going to just sling it and be this gunslinger. And he'd be better served having the opposite mentality of, you know what? Hit your check down, get the ball to your playmakers and let them make it happen. Right. And I feel like if, if he would just do that, like, I feel like the problem is almost like his ego, like he's, and I'm not saying that he has like a huge ego. Maybe it's too much of the chip on his shoulder. Like he's trying to prove, like, you know, I, I was, I was doubted. I was doubted. I was doubted. I'm going to show you guys show him by, you know, putting up points and putting up yards. You don't have to throw the ball even 
30 yards in the air to put to do that, right? You've got these guys that are right in front of you, Kyrus Jackson, James Cook, you know, Washington, McKitty, these guys that can make things happen when you get the ball into their hands. That's all you got to do. And Todd Munkin is making it so easy for you and you're making it harder on yourself. So I don't know. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, and by the way, it, this podcast is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> with, every episode, with every episode, we talk about something totally off the wall. I had no idea that we would go into such a long analysis of an old ESPN show. <laughs> uh, go, go check it out. It only lasted one season, and it's actually, uh, it's actually pretty good. I don't know. I really liked it. I was pretty disappointed when that show got canceled, actually. But I right. can't remember when that was. It was like 2004 or something, maybe. I don't know, five. It was a long time ago. Yeah, so anyway. Eric Zyre Eric made a comment at halftime where he said that I I would not be upset if Georgia never threw the ball for the rest of the game at <laughs> halftime. He said that. Yeah, yeah. and he's totally, a quarterback. And he's and I, a quarterback, and he used to sling it around like crazy. And I and I totally agree with it. I totally agree with it. You know, I, you, I told you, you know, I didn't get to – you know, I was on soccer duty on Saturday, so we were coming back and it was kind of midway through the first quarter, first, second quarter when, when I was able to actually like get to a TV. So I watched the game, unfortunately, but even when I was listening to it on the radio and stuff, which is where I got the comments and whatnot, you know, doing the yard work, but, um, the, you know, just listening to it just sounded like it was a painful watching experience and you kind of <laughs> echo, you kind of echoed that that at the end you're like what just happened <laughs> yeah the so last like, play of the game i was like did the game just end that was weird <laughs> what just happened <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. i would i would have been totally fine like you know it, it appeared that you know i think some someone on the broadcast said that it appeared like or no it was someone on the battle home it appeared like stoops and kirby just had like a gentleman's agreement to just get through the game and get over with, get over with as fast as possible and just get out of there. So like, okay. So if we had just run the ball, I would have been totally fine because we were just dominating them on every rush. Like I told yeah. you in my rewatch, when I watched it on Sunday to watch the full game start to finish that, you know, after the first, you know, quarter, two quarters, like, you know, having looked at it, you know, why did we ever throw the ball? Like, why did we ever try to throw the ball? Like, why? why? Yeah. And and you can do that against teams like Kentucky, but teams like Florida, where it's like you've got to th- start throwing the ball. Like, I mean, I, I just I don't know. I'm I'm really really worried about the Florida game at this point because you know some of those passes. You know, the Darnell Washington pass. Like, yeah, it was a, he dropped it right in the bread basket. But I imagine against a better defense, you know, that might have been intercepted. And we'd be going back and doing film over and saying, oh, wow, you know, there was a guy that was a check down wide open. I almost wish that someone would give Stetson a rule like, look, you are not allowed to throw the ball if someone is in, if, if two guys are anywhere near the receiver. Like, if you see two, two defenders anywhere near the receiver, like, you're not allowed to throw the ball. You can only throw yeah. the ball to guys that are wide open. Shoot, I cussed. Well, Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Zero shows since the last uh, Chris word. <laughs> Update the sign. I'm going to um, hear about that from my son. <laughs> uh, I'll whip it out. But so, yeah, I mean, totally. Like, that's the thing. Is this Because when he does that, it's like when you go back and watch, there was someone who was wide open. And that's kind of what I see as like the beauty of this Munkin offense is that 
I'm not going to say every play, like there's, you know, it's not that much, but I mean, a lot of the time there's someone who's wide open and it's usually a pretty easy throw. Like it's, if it's down the field, they're really open, right? Uh, like James Cook was on that long pass play. I mean, he was wide open. That was amazing. Uh, but on these other ones, you've got these guys coming across short, across the middle that are also very wide open, hopefully with a good throwing lane. The only thing I'll say about that is like, about like, you know, just run the, like, yes, if we had run the ball every, like every single down, uh, I, mean, I don't know, maybe the score is probably kind of close to the same. Um, you know, I love to run the ball, but I, even I was kind of like, man, we are running a lot. Like, like I said, leading in, like, you know, some sense of balance, like kind of near 50, 50, we weren't anywhere near 50, 50, um, on, on Saturday. So it was definitely heavy on the running of the ball, but you know what? Like they couldn't stop it other than they did keep us out of the end zone, except for the first drive of each half. Um, so, I mean, you know, got to give them some credit, but we also shot ourselves in the foot yeah. um, pretty bad. I don't, I mean, at this point, if we're throwing the ball, in, I hate to say this, but like if we're throwing the ball in the red zone, we need to just stop. Like someone needs to go and get a, a someone needs to go and get a newspaper and go to Munkin or go to Kirby or Stetson Bennett and just say, no, no, <laughs> no. Because, because when we get in the red zone is when we are most likely to throw interceptions. I, I, you know, don't quote me on it, but this is just flying off the cuff. But like, I feel like that multiple interceptions throughout the year have been in within striking distance or in where we are in a position where we can put points on the board, but he throws a, a stupid interception or something ridiculous happens like the batted pass or a tipped pass or whatever. Like they've all been yeah. in situations where had we just run the ball three, four times, we could have three points on the board and move on. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the pick against Kentucky, the first pick, I definitely felt that way. Like it did feel like, why were we throwing on that down? Cause we had just had a, coming off a big run to play before. And I mean, again, like you can't run it, every down and like it was a pretty safe play i mean they were running a wide receiver screen to burton and it was there like his pump fake to me also was kind of weird like that's why i was trying to figure out was he trying to go to white what was he doing like he didn't need to pump fake if he had just dropped back and thrown it to burton right away it's a successful play and then the other thing is he did pump fake it didn't improve his view of burton at all it got worse the guy got even closer don't pull the trigger like don't throw it right i mean step up in the pocket move around, Kyrus Jackson's wide open in front of you, or even take a sack, you know, scramble, you know, run forward with two hands on the ball, please, uh, you know, and get a yard or two or whatever. But, like, don't turn a bad play into a disaster, right? And that's what he did there. Yeah. I don't I don't, I don't know. I'm, you know, you mentioned earlier in the, in the show that he was um, – you know that he thinks that he's he's got this thing. I don't. Maybe he's just stubborn. Maybe he's just hard headed. You know, it took him a while to. You know, he's the son of a preacher, son of a preacher, and you know, based on the stories that we've heard, you know, it took him a while to come to Jesus, kind of thing. Well, it's taken him a while to come to the Kirby Smart Jesus. Like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I do. Like, I I think it's, and I can't decide. I'm not sure whether it's like you know, like true ego or whatever versus like. I think he's trying to prove himself, right? Because he's there's a lot of doubters, you know, right? Um, and there were doubters beforehand. The coaches doubted him, right? And so I, I would want I want him to focus less on I'm proving you guys wrong. Like you've already done that. You're the starting quarterback of Georgia, right? And you have a very long leash, 
right? I mean, I, you know, full admission, I texted you and I texted my dad during the game. I want <laughs> Mathis, like, I'm done. Put Mathis in, right? Where is Mathis? Why aren't we changing? I mean, I'll fully admit that, like I said that. Um, clearly, that is not happening, right? So that's where I feel like, and like, we haven't been sitting here debating, you know, Mathis versus uh, Daniels versus Beck or whatever, because the coaches have showed us that that ain't happening. So I don't even really see a point of talking about it, to be honest. Um, so like you've proven the doubters, you are the starting quarterback. You don't have to have this chip on your shoulder and prove that they did it wrong or whatever. Like they've already admitted it to you. You're now the starter. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be, all we need him to be is a game manager. And like, you know, I mean, and again, and he could be, I think he has the tools to do it, and he's got these wide open receivers. Just throw it to him. I don't know. That's where I, you know, the things you're so right. Like, and I had already wrote it down, and you you said it before I even could. But like of the things that last week Kirby said, ball security and checkdowns. Man, I hope they work on checkdowns more. They need to work on those same two things again this week. <laughs> I guess right. And um, I mean, if you can just improve that, man. Because I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, uh, Battle Hemo guys were saying that, and I know Graham Coffee said like if he would just do that, just hit the checkdown, this offense could be great. It really it could. could. Be. I mean, it really could. Yeah. I mean, who knows what happens if you hit any of these guys? You know, if you hit. Um, even on that play to, to Washington, you know, obviously it was a good play, but you know, who knows what happens if Milton gets into the open field, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't know what happens because we don't get an opportunity to even see it. So like the whole, the whole nonsense that Kirby said, you know, we're going to, that long article that you know, we talked about in the last, in the last episode with Seth Emerson, that the long and short was take what the defense gives you for the love of God, take what the defense gives you. That's in Bennett. Like yeah. there's a there's yeah. a man there's a man standing with no defenders around him. If he gets the ball, there's literally no telling what could possibly happen if he were to take the ball and run up the field, especially with our skill position players that you know are very shifty. They've they've shown that we can get yards after contact. Um I mean I think Kendall Milton leads the SEC or something like that in yards after contact or something like that, but and mm-hmm. like, even like Kiaris Jackson, you know, yards after contact with him from a wide receiver's perspective, like there's a number of guys on the field that can make people miss. And God bless him, Jermaine, like Burton, holy cow. Like I th- th- that guy is probably, I imagine the average Georgia fan is like, man, why are they even throwing it to Burton? Because if he always drops it or whatever, but man. Stetson is doing him zero favors most of the time. Yeah, I, I did that on that first pass, like in the heat of the moment. I was like, man, catch the ball, Burton. But I mean, it was way over his head. I mean, he did a good job just to touch it. Like it was all pretty he, impressive that he touched it. You know? all, all he had to do, all Stetson had to do was put it on the numbers. I told you, it looked like he threw it thinking the guy was 10 feet tall. Like, come on, dude. Like it's, yeah, either, that- it's, either, it's either one extreme or the other. Like he throws the ball. 10 feet over the guy's head or he throws it where a lineman just bats it down. And someone, one of my neighbors mentioned, and I haven't actually like gone back to look at it. I mean, I kind of seen it a little bit here and there, but like does Stetson like have a bit of a sidearm release point? Like, is he not releasing the ball fully over his head? Yeah. So he has like a three quarter release. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not directly over the top. So like, yeah. So he's, you know, five 11 in cleats and has a three quarter release. So, I mean, that, but again, like, yeah, I mean, throw to the open lane. And I felt like that was the thing that's like, you know, we talked about 
uh, do some things like roll them out, uh, get the get the big throwing lanes, and they were there. Like, uh, I I gotta say, like I'm incredibly impressed with Todd Munkin. Um, like, I feel like his game plans are good. I questioned the Alabama game plan, but now looking back on it, and after watching Kentucky and just what I've seen, I, I think it was pretty good. Like, you just gotta hit the open guys. I mean, um, so I, I don't know. I love what I've seen from Munkin. Um, he's not asking. Um, a lot out of his quarterback. And I, so I don't know, hopefully, hopefully Stetson can, can get it together. Cause it seems like we're, we're, he's the guy, right? I mean, I don't see that. I don't see that changing. Um, unless, unless, yeah. The only way I see that changing at this point is if Daniels is, gets fully healthy because clearly he's not. So I don't know. That's something Kirby mentioned. He basically confirmed in the press conference today, you know, in a roundabout way that JT Daniels is basically still not ready from a, from an injury standpoint. So that leaves, and, you know, with all the rumors that happened afterwards about, you know, whether or not Mathis is part of the team or whatever, you know, it's conspiracy theory time, like <laughs> yeah. conspiracy theory alert. Like, obviously Mathis is not getting an opportunity. So, like, I don't know, when I was talking about, you know, we need to put teams away, we need to take our opportunities on offense, all of them, as much as possible, as fast as possible, so that we can get guys experience in the game. Like, I would have loved to have seen another quarterback come in and because we're leading by so much, to see another quarterback come in to get an opportunity against an actual in-game situation because I have a feeling, like, God, like, you know, you know, obviously LeCount had, had an accident. Like, can we wrap Stetson Bennett in bubble wrap or yeah. you know, if he's going to be the starter moving forward and that he's the guy that gives us the best opportunity to win. Like we better hope to hope that he does, he stays healthy because, you know, if he takes off like he did against Kentucky and he does it with a, a team like Florida or a team like, you know, uh, Alabama or something like that. Um, and he takes a hit the wrong way. Like, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the Battleham guys were talking about, like, slide. You've got the first down. Just slide. Like, why are you trying mm, to yeah. battle for more yards? Yeah. Again, it goes back to what we've been t- saying is his decision-making process is somehow short-circuiting when he steps out onto the game day field. And I don't mm. understand what he's doing. This isn't, this isn't um, you know, this isn't Juco. This isn't, um, you know, where he, where he came from before. I can't remember the, the school he was at before, but, um, you know, it's not high school. This is this is the SEC. You cannot take hits like that and expose the football in ways that he's been doing time after time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't know. All, all I can do is hope they figure it out this week because the competition gets a lot bigger uh, come Saturday. I don't know. You, you got anything else? I think we've kind of <laughs> beaten the dead horse on <laughs> the Kentucky game. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, a win's a win. A double-digit win against an SEC opponent is never something to kind of shake a, a stick at. But um, this is 2020, and we're here to be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hey, the one thing I'll say uh, to end this and segue into the last one is at least uh, we don't have a WWE-style coach uh, who shows up to the press conference uh, dressed as Darth Vader. So, I don't know. Maybe we can end it on that. Oh, geez, Louise. And doing the voice <laughs> too, to go with it. Uh, all right, man. Well, hey, we will talk again soon uh, to preview the Florida game. We'll put the Kentucky uh, game to bed. 
Um, and we got plenty to talk about uh, leading up into the world's largest outdoor cocktail party next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>